0: Chapter twenty-three of Tenterhooks by Ada Leverson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. CHAPTER Twenty-three. At Lady Everard's Lady Everard was sitting in her favourite attitude at her writing table, with her face turned to the door. She had once been photographed at her writing table with a curtain behind her and her face turned to the door. The photograph had appeared in The Queen, The Ladies Field, the sketch, the tatler, the bystander, home chat, home notes, the woman at home, and our stately homes of England. It was a favourite photograph of hers. She had taken a fancy to it, and therefore she always liked to be found in this position. The photo had been called Lady Everard at work in her music room. What she was supposed to be working at, heaven only knew, for she never wrote a line of anything and even her social notes and invitation cards were always written by her secretary as soon as a visitor came in she rose from the suspiciously clean writing-table put down the dry pen on a spotless blotter went and sat in a large brocaded armchair in front of some palms within view of the piano and began to talk the music-room was large splendid and elaborately decorated there was a frieze all round representing variously coloured and somewhat shapeless creatures playing what were supposed to be musical instruments one in a short blue skirt was blowing at something another in pink drapery who squinted was strumming at a lyre other figures were in white with their mouths open like young birds preparing to be fed by older birds they represented harmony in all its forms there were other attempts at the classical in the decoration of the room but lady everard herself had reduced this idea to bathos by huge quantities of signed photographs in silver frames by large waste-paper baskets lined with blue satin and trimmed with pink rosettes by fans which were pockets stuffed cats which were paperweights oranges which were pincushions and other debris from those charitable and social bazaars of which she was a constant patroness with her usual curious combination of weak volubility and decided laying down of the law, she was preparing to hold forth to young La France, whom she expected, on the subject of Debussy, Edwina, Marcoux, the appalling singing of all his young friends, his own good looks, and other subjects of musical interest, when Mr. Cricker was announced. She greeted him with less eagerness, if less patronage, than her other protégé, but graciously offered him tea and permitted a cigarette. Lady Everard went in for being at once grand dame and bohemian. She was truly good-natured and kind, except to rivals in her own sphere. But when jealous, she was rather redoubtable. "I'm pleased to see you, my dear Willie," she said, all the more because I hear Mrs. Mitchell has taken Wednesdays now. Not quite a nice thing to do, I think, although after all, I suppose we could hardly rarely clash. True, we do happen to know a few of the same people. By that, Lady Everard meant she had snatched as many of Mrs. Mitchell's friends away as she thought desirable. But as a general rule, I suppose we're not really in the same set. But perhaps you're going on there afterwards?' That had been Mr. Cricker's intention, but he denied it, with surprise and apparent pain at the suspicion. She settled down more comfortably. "'Ah, well!' mrs mitchell is an extremely nice hospitable woman and her parties are i know considered quite amusing but i do think i really do that her husband carries his practical jokes and things a little too far it isn't good form it really isn't to see a man of his age with his face blacked coming in after dinner with a banjo calling himself the musical white-eyed kaffir as he did the last time i was there i find it déplacé that's the word déplacé he seemed to think that we were all children at a juvenile party <laughs> i was saying to lord rye only last night lord rye likes it i think but he says mr mitchell's mad that's what it is a little mad last time lord rye was there everybody had a present given them hidden in their table napkins there had been some mistake in the parcels i believe and miss mooney you know the actress myra mooney received a safety razor and lord rye a vanity bag "'Everybody screamed with laughter, but I must say it seemed to me rather silly. "'I wasn't there myself.' "'I was,' said Mr. Cricker. "'I got a very pretty little feather fan. "'I suppose the things really had been mixed up, and after all I was very glad of the fan. "'I was able to give it to—' "'He stopped, sighed, and looked down at the floor. "'And is that affair still going on, Willie dear? "'It seems to me such a pity. "'I do wish you would try and give it up.' "'I know.' "'But she won't,' he said, in a voice hoarse with anxiety. "'Dear Lady Everard, you're a woman of the world and know everything.' "'She smiled. "'Not everything, Willie. "'A little of music, perhaps. "'I know a good voice when I hear it. "'I have a certain flair for what's going to be a success in that direction. "'And, of course, I've been everywhere and seen everything. "'I've a certain natural knowledge of life, too, "'and keep well up to date with everything that's going on.' i knew about the hendon divorce case long before anyone else though it never came off after all but that's not the point but then i'm so discreet people tell me things at any rate i always know indeed lady everard firmly believed herself to be a great authority on most subjects but especially on contemporary gossip this was a delusion in reality she had that marvellous talent for not knowing things that gift for ignorance and genius for inaccuracy so frequently seen in that cultured section of society of which she was so popular and distinguished a member it is a talent that rarely fails to please particularly in a case like her own there is always a certain satisfaction in knowing that a woman of position and wealth who plumes herself on her early knowledge and special information is absolutely and entirely devoid of the one and incorrect in the other. A marked ignorance in a professionally well-informed person has always something touching and appealing to those who are able, if not willing, to set that person right. It was taken for granted among her acquaintances, and probably was one of the qualities that endeared her to the most that dear Lady Everard was generally positive and always wrong.' "'Yes, I do know most things, perhaps,' she said complacently. "'And the one thing I know is that this woman friend of yours is making you perfectly miserable. "'You're longing to shake it off. "'Ah, <laughs> I know you. "'You've far more real happiness in going to the opera with me than even in seeing her. "'And the more she pursues you, the less you like it. "'Am I not right?' "'Yes, I suppose so. "'But as a matter of fact, Lady Everard, if she didn't—well—' what you might call make a dash for it I, I shouldn't worry about her at all men continued lady everard not listening only like coldness coldness reserve the only way in the world to draw a man on is to be always out to him or to go away and never even let him hear your name mentioned i dare say there's a lot in that said cricker wondering why she did not try that plan with young la france "'Women of the present day,' she continued, growing animated, "'make such a terrible, terrible mistake. "'What do they do when they like a young man? "'Oh, I know. "'They write to him at his club. "'They call at his rooms and leave messages. "'They telephone whenever they can. "'The more he doesn't answer their invitations, the more they invite him. "'It's appalling. "'And what's the result? "'Men are becoming cooler and cooler, as a class, I mean. "'Of course there are exceptions.' "'But it's such a mistake of women to run after the few young men there are. "'There are such a tremendous lot of girls and married women nowadays. "'There are so many more of them.' "'Well, perhaps that's why they do it,' said Cricker, rather stupidly. "'At any rate, well, I know if my friend hadn't been so jolly nice to me at first "'and kept it up so—well, you know what I mean, "'kept on keeping on, if I may use the expression, "'I should have drifted away from her ages ago. "'Because, you see—' supposing i'm beginning to think about something else or somebody else she doesn't stand it she won't stand it and the awkward part is you see her being on the stage and married makes the whole thing about as awkward as a case of that sort can possibly be i would not ask you her name for the world said lady everard smoothly of course i know she's a beautiful young comedy actress or is it tragedy i wonder if i could guess her first name will you tell me if i guess right <laughs> she looked arch oh, i say i can't tell you who it is lady everard really not only the first name i don't want you to tell me i'm discretion itself i prefer not to know the christian name is not margaretta is it Ah, uh, no i thought not <laughs> it's irene pettifer there i've guessed the fact is i always knew it my dear boy your secret is safe with me i'm the tomb i-excuse me lady everard said cricker with every sign of annoyance it's no more irene pettifer than it's you yourself please believe me first of all i don't know irene pettifer i've never even seen her photograph she's not young not married and an entirely different sort of person "'What did I tell you? I knew it wasn't. "'I only said that to draw you. <laughs> "'However, have a little more tea, or some iced coffee. "'It's so much more refreshing, I always think. "'My dear Willie, I was only chaffing you. "'I knew perfectly well it wasn't either of the people I suggested. "'The point is, it seems to prey on your mind and worry you, "'and you won't break it off.' "'But how can I?' "'I will dictate you a letter.' she said, "'Far be it from me to interfere, and I don't pretend to know more about this sort of thing than anybody else. At the same time, if you'll just take it down just as I tell it and send it off, you'll find it will do admirably. Have you got a pencil?' As if dully hypnotised, he took out a pencil and notebook. "'It'd be awfully kind of you, Lady Everard. It might give me an idea, anyway.' "'All right.' She leaned back and half-closed her eyes as if in thought, then started up with one finger out. "'We must be quick, because I'm expecting someone presently,' she said. "'But we've got time for this. Now, begin. "'July seventh, 1912. Have you got that?' "'Yes, I've, I've got that.' "'Or perhaps just Thursday. Thursday looks more casual, more full of feeling than the exact date. "'Got Thursday?' "'Yes, but it isn't Thursday. It's Friday.' all right friday or any day you like the day is not the point you can send it to-morrow or any time you like wednesday my dearest irene her name's not irene oh no i forgot take that out dear margaretta circumstances have occurred since i last had the pleasure of seeing you that make it absolutely impossible that i could ever meet you again oh i say go on ever see you or meet you again you wish to be kind to her i suppose Oh yes then say duty has to come between us but god knows i wish you well tears were beginning to come to lady everard's eyes and she spoke with a break in her voice i wish you well irene it's not irene i wish you well margaretta some day in the far distant future you'll think of me and be thankful for what I have done. It's for your good and my own happiness that we part now and for ever. Adieu, and may God bless you. How do you sign yourself? Oh, uh, Willie? Very well, then, be more serious this time. Always your faithful friend, William Stacy Cricker. He glanced over the note, his face falling more and more while Lady Everard looked more and more satisfied copy that out word for word the moment you go back and send it off she said and all the worst of your troubles will be over i should think the worst is yet to come he said ruefully but you promise to do it willie oh promise me oh yes rather said he half-heartedly word for word oh lord yes well, that's to say uh, unless anything not a word willie it will be your salvation come and see me soon and tell me the result ah here you are cher maitre with a bright smile she welcomed mr lafrance who was now announced gently dismissing Willie with a push of the left hand good heavens he said to himself as he got into the cab why if i were to send a thing like that there would be murder and suicide she'd show it to her husband he'd come round and knock me into a cocked hat for it dear lady everard she's a dear "'but she doesn't know anything about anything.' "'He tore the pages out of his pocket-book "'and called out to the cabman the address of the Mitchells. "'Ah, chère madame, que je suis fatigué! "'exclaimed La France as he threw himself back against the cushions. "'His hair was long and smooth and fair, "'so fair that he had been spoken of by jealous singers as a peroxide blonde. "'His eyes were greenish, and he had dark eyebrows and eyelashes. "'He was good-looking.' his voice in speaking was harsh but his manner soft and insidious his talents were cosmopolitan his tastes international he had no duties few pleasures and that entire want of leisure known only to those who have practically nothing whatever to do fatigued <laughs> that's what you always say <laughs> said lady everard laughing but it is always true he said with a strong french accent you should take more exercise, Paul. Go out more into the air. You lead too secluded a life. What exercises? I practice my voice every day? Twenty minutes? Ah, but I didn't mean that. I mean in the open air. Sport, that sort of thing. <laughs> ah, you wish I go horseback riding. Very nice, but not for me. I have never did it. I cannot be now, Lady Everard. I spoil all the veluté of my voice. "'Have you seen again that pretty little lady I met here before? "'Delicious light-brown hair, pretty blue eyes, a "'wonderful blue, a blue that seemed to say to everyone something different.' "'What?' exclaimed Lady Everard. "'Are you referring to Mrs. Otley?' "'She calmed down again. "'Oh, yes, she's charming, awfully sweet, devoted to her husband, you know, "'absolutely devoted to her husband.' "'So rare and delightful nowadays in London.' "'Ah, oh, yes, very nice. "'Me, I am devoted to her husband, too. "'I go to see him, he ask me.' "'What? Without me?' exclaimed Lady Everard. "'I meet him the other night. "'He asked me to come round and sing him a song. "'I cannot ask if I may bring Lady Everard in my pocket.' "'Really, Paul, I don't think that's quite a nice joke to make, I must say.' then relenting she said i know it's only your artistic fun so she ver devoted to him he have great confidence in her he trust her quite he sure she never have any flirt he has every confidence he's certain absolutely certain exclaimed lady everard he wait till she come and tell him i suppose <laughs> he is right he continued in this strain for some time, constantly going back to his admiration for Edith, and then began, with a good deal of bitterness, on the subject of another young singer, whom he declared to be un garçon charmant, but no good. He could not sing for nuts. She heartily agreed, and they began to get on beautifully again, when she suddenly said to him, Is it true that you were seen talking in the park to that girl Miss Turnbull on Sunday? If you say I was seen, I was. "'You could not know I talked to her unless I was seen. "'You could not know by wireless.' "'Don't talk nonsense, Paul,' she answered sharply. "'The point isn't that you were seen, but that you did it.' "'Who did it? Me? I didn't do anything.' "'I don't think it's fair to me, I must say. "'It hurt my feelings that you should meet Amy Turnbull in the park and talk to her.' "'But what could I say? It's very difficult.' i walk through the park she walks through it with another lady she speak to me she say ah dear mr lafrance what pleasure to see you i ask you lady everard could i a foreigner not even naturalized here could i order her out of the park could i scream out to her go out do not walk in the eyed park lady everard do not like you i have no authority to say that i am not responsible for the persons that walk in their own park in their own country she might ask me to go to the devil she might say to me what lady everard not like me so i am not allowed in the park what's that got to do with it in a case like this chere madame i have no legal power she laughed forgivingly and said ah well <laughs> one mustn't be too exacting and as she showed some signs of a desire to pat his hair he rose sat down to the piano greatly to her disappointment and filled up the rest of the time by improvising from memory it was a little fatiguing as she thought it her duty to keep up an expression of acute rapture during the whole of the performance which lasted at least three-quarters of an hour End of chapter twenty three